Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the fourth episode of Radio Maine, recording from my home on Little John Island, and also from artist Jane Damon's home in Newcastle, Maine. Jane, it's really great to be able to have this virtual conversation with you. I'm really glad to be here. Now, Jane, you're usually the one who is hosting because you've uh, had for many years a hosting gig, which is somewhat separate from your artist gig, but related, just up the road from where you live. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, every year, uh, except for this past year, which has been, we've been closed down, but we invite four curators or artists from Maine who have contributed a substantial amount to the arts in Maine, and uh, they come to the Lincoln Theater in Damariscotta, and we have a conversation on the stage. We've met some very interesting artists in front of a live audience. Well, that sounds like, like a lot of fun. Who, who are some of your favorites from that group so far? Well, um, they're all really interesting people. I don't really have favorites, but uh, people you might recognize are Alex Katz came, Henry Isaacs and Dan Caney came, Catherine Bradford, Eric Hopkins, Lois Dodd, um, Michael Drodge, uh, Barbara Sullivan. I could go on and on. William Wegman came with his Weimaraners. <laughs> uh, sculpture, sculptor John Bisbee came, and we had um, <clears throat> curators like um, Mark Basier of the Portland Art Museum, um, Sharon Corwin, who was at the Colby, Car- Colby Museum, she's gone now, uh, and Bowdoin Museum curators. Plus, uh, Suzette McAvoy from the CMCA. It's really sort of an, an all-star regional group of individuals that you've had the chance to interview. Right. And it was so funny because when I first called people, they all answered their own phones. It was like a small town. And uh, they were all very agreeable to come. Now, this is a different uh, approach to sharing art than what most artists are used to, because it seems to be somewhat of a solitary pursuit, usually. So getting up in front of a group of people may be something that's beyond some individual's comfort level. Is that a fair statement? It's a fair statement. You mean the, the guests that I have, or you're talking about me? Well, either one, really, because you, you fall in the same category. You're an artist, and you also are getting up in front of a group of people. Well, when I first moved to Maine in 2004, um, I tried to have artist lectures because uh, I was on a board of the Art Association in Damariscotta, and we invited people to come. But, you know, a lot of artists don't like to give a lecture. They'd much rather have a conversation. And I love reading about other artists. I've, I majored in art history in college, and I'm just fascinated by other people who paint or who are curators. So it works for both of us. And what is it about reading about other artists that's so interesting? Is it their biographies or is it their methods? What is it that um, kind of keeps you coming back for those stories? Well, all those things. Uh, I learn from reading about other artists and some of the pitfalls they've overcome, some of the challenges. Most artists who really make a name for themselves have been through some pretty serious criticisms or problems, and they've overcome them. And it's the resilience and the fact that they 
never give up. It's so encouraging to everybody. Plus, I like to learn about their methods, their process, the kinds of paint they use, where they get their ideas and all that. And you're no stranger to uh, having to overcome challenges yourself and also be resilient. You've had quite a lot going on in the last few years. Well, my husband died in 2018, which was a shock to my system for sure. And I didn't paint for a year, but it, the, the, uh, the lockdown actually happened about eight months after he died. And I was able to spend it's the first time i've ever been alone alone in my home and it was a good time to grieve really i i was able to really go inward and uh, come out the other side uh, even though i couldn't paint for about a year <laughs> i'd go into my studio and i would walk around and think okay i'm not going to be able to paint today and i finally started painting by looking out at what I was looking at as I sat in the morning and drank my coffee. So I'd paint my mug of coffee and looking out at the kitchen or having a drink at night by myself. I'd show my feet in my living room and my glass of wine or in front of the news TV with my slippers on, that sort of thing. Now, this is a, a little bit of a departure from the types of work that you have painted before. You're, you're very well known for your, for your birches of various colors and your landscapes and seascapes. We have, we have a seascape behind me, which is, um, is main-oriented, correct? Correct. I'm still doing those, but I, somehow I got back into painting by painting what I was living through. So also behind me is in really bright, beautiful uh, pinks, part of your series called Sequestered. And it's not a landscape. It's not a seascape. It's, it's a woman on a chair. Tell me about the Sequestered series and this particular painting that's behind me. Well, uh, after I painted the paintings of myself um, from, from my looking out, I decided to paint some figures. I had never done that. So I went and had my daughter pose for me, but she's working all the time, so she couldn't do it forever. So I then hired a, a young model who came over and I would set her up and I painted a few paintings of her. But now I'm back to painting landscapes. And you're, you tend to be inspired by things that you actually see. So this landscape that's behind me, which is, uh, very much a, a well-known kind of Jane Damon set of colors with the blues and the greens. Where is this one behind me from? Oh, that's not a specific place. I, I rarely ever paint one place that you would recognize, but I it's an amalgamation of my feelings about Maine and where I've been. And we sailed up here for years, and now that we're not sailing, I'm walking all around the conservation lands, and I get these images in my head. So you originally are from Massachusetts, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. How did you find your way up to Maine? Well, I went to Colby College and I used to sketch from my dorm room window. Uh, and when we went on coot trips and canoe trips and so forth, I just was fascinated by the landscape. And 
while I was at Colby, they, it was a very small museum then. Now it's the biggest one in the state. But at that time, they had some wonderful Marsden Hartley paintings, which were raw and strong and, oh, just gorgeous. Um, and I, I got hooked on that, looking at those, and, and also paintings by John Marin, both of whom took their own uh, vision of Maine and... Uh, I, I just uh, thought, boy, I would love to paint Maine. Maine's really been inspiring artists for actually centuries, probably before, even, even longer than that, but at least artists that we are familiar with. What is it specifically about Maine that you think um, draws out that creative spirit? Well, I've thought a lot about that. I think it's, first of all, it's the air. It's crystal clear. And I'm not sure it's whether it's because there's not a lot of big cities in Maine, so there's not a lot of pollution. But the air is very clean. And when I look out at night, I can see the stars much better than any other place I've been. Um, and then, of course, when we were sailing, I used to sketch from the boat because the the blue, blue water and the white sails and the green, those evergreens and the rocks. Oh my gosh, it's just to die for. It's so beautiful. And I think that the coastline and uh, the clean air and is probably what has drawn people. Plus the lifestyle. It's, it's very different from any place I've lived it's, or traveled. It's, um, it's like a small town, the whole state. And, and I love that. I'm looking uh, behind you and seeing some of these birches that you're very well known for. Uh, they're gorgeous. They are also, from what I understand, talking to other artists, and I have to admit, as I've admitted to you previously, I am not myself an artist, but I've been told that trees are very difficult to paint. And here you are painting trees, which <laughs> I, I find fascinating. What, what is it about birches that has appealed to you so much? Oh, gosh. Uh, birches, ever since I was, maybe before I went to college, I was in love with birches. Just the fact that they are so white and there's such a contrast from the green around them. I like their resiliency. They, they bend over in a storm and they snap right back. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful. Um, what's the color? That beautiful green yellow-green chartreuse in the spring, those little leaves. And it's just, it's just one beautiful tree. And I've always loved the black markings on it, too, because it's such a contrast from any other tree. It's a very spiritual tree. I've read quite a bit about them, and they, they're uh, thought of as a spiritual tree in a lot of cultures, of renewal, rebirth, that kind of thing. I know in, in traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture, the wood is one of the elements and, and trees are a symbol of, of strength, but also flexibility. So it's interesting that you talk about that because when people will have an imbalance of the liver, um, that's a wood element um, in traditional Chinese medicine. And so we need to keep the liver strong, but also flexible, also able to kind of process everything. So it's exactly what you're describing. It's what's going on within the human body reflected outside in nature. Do you feel like you've oh. had to have that um, resiliency in your own life? Uh, well, I certainly strive to, and uh, I, I remain 
pretty happy. So I hope that, um, I think it's probably in due in large part because I have a studio in my home, I can paint. And when we had this lockdown, uh, unlike some artists who, who couldn't get to their studios because they were locked down, I was able to paint. I feel very lucky and fortunate. And I've been fortunate to have a wonderful family who've been supportive. So uh, that all helps with resiliency, I think. I did notice uh, that when we visited you and your husband before he passed away, that um, you were very good about working with him kind of wherever he was coming from. And, and I know that his was not an easy illness to um, have happen for you and for your family. But you kind of you kind of rolled with it. You were you were flexible with him. You were always very loving to my you know observations, and and that's not always easy. It's not always easy to be a caregiver who's able to kind of take the person who is um, being challenged by health issues where they're coming from. Well, he was always very supportive of my art, and uh, he helped me a lot with many things. So uh, I felt that it was my turn to <laughs> to help him really um and he was so good-natured even throughout his whole he had alzheimer's and uh he just was pretty uh agreeable throughout the whole time so i can't complain because i know many other different situations and so um yeah it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it could have been do you think, and I, I guess I'm asking you to kind of climb inside his mind, but from what you told me, he was just a brilliant individual. He was so, um, his brain was so sharp. And towards the end, um, obviously with Alzheimer's, that's, that's not as much the case. Do you think that he ever felt the loss of that, that sharpness? Or did you ever notice this in him? Well, sure. In the very beginning, he kept saying things like, boy, there's something wrong with my memory. Um, so I said, let's go and have it tested. And um, I thought it would be devastating to him. But, you know, he, he accepted it like everything else in life. Um, it just seemed to be something he, 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 there was nothing he could do about it. And I think his whole life, he felt that way about things he had no control over. Um, oh, he could be very difficult if he wanted to have some control over some things. I mean, he was very smart and very creative, very unusual person. But, and he could be difficult, I'll admit it. He would be the first to admit it. But he totally was accepting of anything that he couldn't change. So that was something I learned from him, that don't try and fight things you don't have a chance, you know, if it's health or weather or age or anything like that, don't fight it you can't it's whole you know it's folly just go with it and fight the things that you have a chance of winning <laughs> that's a great point and yeah it's something that i think is hard for especially people who don't have um as much life experience behind them struggle to do sometimes i think all of us feel like we should be able to change things and it's it's hard to have that kind of acceptance that's that's a very different sort of strength that's required to do that Right. I think so. I think I learned it from him. He, he had it, uh, suppose because he lived all over the world when he was growing up. So he had to have some kind of, uh, 
uh, self-sufficient uh, ability to get along on his own. Jane, I'm going to show you this painting. I'm going to see if I can hold this up, not too awkwardly. Um, and the reason I love it, and I'm going to describe it a little bit for people who are listening and not watching, is that this is a painting that our family has lived with for oh more than a decade now. This is one of your paintings. If I put it in front of my, I'll, I'll make sure that we put the actual whole thing up. Um, but this is one that our family owns and it's been on my meditation room wall it's been on our um, hallway uh, wall and it's really one that we've come to live with and kind of have as part of our family and that's really what i think one of the beauties of art is 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 a living thing that becomes part of our internal um, family landscape do you have art like that in your own home art that you've lived with over decades that um, has inspired you and nurtured you? Well, uh, I have a lot of paintings that I have not sold <laughs> of my own on my walls, but, um, and I get used to them. Um, and I have paintings from other artists that are friends who I, um, I like to look at and inspire me. Um, I'm glad to see that painting again. I haven't seen it for years. That was Borstone Mountain. Yeah, Borstone Mountain. And it's a little different than some of the ones that I've seen of yours. I mean, there's a, a beautiful mountain peak, but there's also a really creative looking pond and clouds with reflections in the in the pond itself. But again, all the gorgeous blues and greens, but a little bit more subtle than the blues and greens that I see in the um, in the landscape or seascape that's that is behind me in the studio. Do you find that you've experimented with color over time? Is that something that um, you've done different things with as, as years have gone on? Uh, sure, I think so. I, I don't know that it's been, um, I guess the way to put it is, I always go into my studio and try to make the best painting I can. So um, I'm not sure I've actually focused on changing color, but, but I do love color. Well, I've, I've been impressed. There was one set of birches that I really loved. And you you have a small uh, painting of birches behind you, but you're known for your very large paintings of birches. And uh, the one that I particularly enjoyed um, at the Portland Art Gallery was was bright pink. It wasn't the blues. It wasn't the greens. It, it, was, it was pink and it was white and it was vivid and it was colorful. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I need a big wall to put that on because it, it really just appealed to me. You know, it just made my heart so happy. Um, but it, 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 it kind of took someone like you to be able to step outside of what a landscape or a ski, seascape normally looks like to say, oh, these can be pink. <laughs> well, anything goes in art. There are no rules. <laughs> if you hear a rule, you should break it. <laughs> That's my feeling. Um, yeah, I think uh, probably the paintings that I admire the most that other artists make are things that are coming from deep inside them and they might not make sense really but they have a certain integrity because they really show something that has come from an inner voice that 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 artist is expressing. You, now you've talked about Marsden Hartley and I've seen some of his work actually um, 
it's re he's really very well known outside of Maine. You know, he's nationally, internationally known. He has work hanging in um, New York and other um, metropolises. But he's also an, an example of an individual who I, I think struggled with his own um, ways of expressing himself and, and needed to go really deep to understand himself at a time where there was a lot of prejudice. Right. Well, he was gay at, in a time when gay people were not accepted at all. And he, he didn't paint like everybody else. He, he had a very unique vision. He went off to Germany and he painted a lot of German uh, paintings that were inspired by the German military, I think. And then he came back and he painted the most beautiful uh, and intense and handsome paintings of the coast of Maine with um, that had a lot of strength and uh, just uh, they're just handsome paintings. But I think he did suffer. I, uh, I know he did. He was a poet as well. Uh, and most artists are pretty sensitive. I notice when we do the talks at the Lincoln Theater, the more personal the art the guests are and tell us about either their depression or their overcoming the death of a child, which is unthinkable, or some other unspeakable things, they the audience responds because the audience is full of people who are also artists. Not all of them, but a lot of them, and they're very sensitive. So they've all been through these things. So, uh, yeah, part of being an artist. Well, I, I think that's great because it does speak of the human condition. And from what I've noticed with my patients is that there's there are people who have suffered a lot. It, it is part of it is part of walking on this planet is the or existing on this planet. If you can't walk, let's say. Um, that things come up that are really hard to deal with, whether it's death or it's illness or it's internal struggles. Um, but a lot of times people will feel alone and they will feel as if they're the only ones who are dealing with this. And maybe they're even embarrassed about whatever it is, maybe like Marsden Hartley and um, being gay. So do you think that by looking at the art that artists create when they're struggling and we know that they're struggling, do you think that gives people a sense of hope and strength well, probably hearing from them does, yeah. I don't know if they can tell by looking at it, but if you've ever looked at a Van Gogh painting, who he was one of the best painters who ever walked on the planet, and yet he suffered so. But yet, look what he was able to uh, produce. I mean, it's just amazing. But it's very interesting you what you're experiencing in your uh, work is the same as artists or anybody. You're right, the human condition is about is is about struggle and about there are good times and bad you know and uh that is the human condition jane you've worked very hard to um continue to do your art through years of parenting and living in different places and um caretaking what type of advice do you give for people who might be struggling right now, who might be um, in the midst of this pandemic? There are maybe young parents who are trying to continue to do their art, who are trying to also raise their children, maybe also um, have other jobs in addition to their art. What are some suggestions you could make as far as just kind of continuing to be tapped into that that creative spirit? 
Well, the only thing I can tell you is what I've done. I, I don't know what works for other people, but when I get overwhelmed or I get sad or I get, or, I, or I'm dealing with something that's really uh, quite uh, awful to my, my way of thinking, I, I just try to slow down and go inward. Slow down and, and try to listen to what's going on inside my soul and hear what my voice is telling me because all the answers you ever want, I swear, and I'm <clears throat> almost 80 years old and I really believe this is true, that they are within you. If you can slow down and, and just listen to your own self, and that's not always easy. You sometimes need to meditate or you can listen to tapes or whatever it is that makes you slow down. You will find the answers within you every single time I, I know because I've lived it. <laughs> Jane, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. You and I have known each other a while, so we've, we've, we've seen some ups and downs in, in one another's lives. And I, I love reconnecting with you because, you know, it's, it's like not stepping in the same river twice. There's, a, there's always something new and different when you and I encounter one another. So it's, it's been a great conversation to have with you. Well, I always enjoy talking to you, Lisa. It's, I learn things too from you and your work that you're doing. You're doing so much to connect people and to keep people uh, connected to other people. It's wonderful. Well, thank you, Jane. I appreciate it. We've been speaking with artist Jane Damon from her home in Newcastle, also from our uh, studio here on Little John Island. And you have been listening to Radio Maine, episode four. Please do connect with Jane um, virtually uh, through the Portland Art Gallery in Portland, Maine. And the Portland Art Gallery is a sponsor of Radio Maine. We really appreciate your uh, being part of our community and um, enjoying the creative spirit that we enjoy as we connect with our artists and friends. Thanks. <laughs>